Welcome back into another episode of the All Ball Podcast. The NBA Finals just got underway last night. George and I are going to be reacting to game one and give our thoughts on the series of what we saw in that first game, but also what we see going forward as, you know, we'll just get right into it. It was a shock to say the least that Giannis, who last week we thought would probably be out for the playoffs at least and possibly even longer than that, comes back a week later and I, to say he was back was an understatement, but like that was me assuming he was gonna be like 70 to 75%. But from the jump, it looked really like he didn't lose a beat in this one. Uh, I think, well, my first thing is that if you if, actually, if you check the tape, I did say that I thought that he would be back. And I also said that I didn't think it looked that bad. Now, like, as I claimed at the time, I'm no medical expert. I can't say I'm that surprised, honestly. I just thought it was like an awkward landing. I think it looked worse than it was at the time. And I'm, am I a bit surprised to see him back and playing as well as he did? Yes. Am I absolutely shocked? No, I'm not. You know, I, I never thought that he would be out for the whole series or anything like that. Um, but he was good. You know, it, it just wasn't enough, it really. You know, and his, his minutes were a bit limited. You know, he only played 35. And it was a 29 going into the fourth versus the more typical maybe who had already played 32, 33 going into the fourth. And uh you know, they came up a bit short, 13-point loss, felt a bit more than that, or it was a firm, like, you know, in the second half, the game was kind of over the whole time, I guess is what I'm trying they, to say. They, they got it down to about seven, I got to say, in the fourth, but then the Suns made another run or just kind of held them within that range. I mean, it got up to a, a – Suns had it to about 20, I think, in the late third, early fourth, and then the, the Bucks were able to, to like – chop it down a little bit down to seven, but the Suns were able to hold off in large part because, you know, Chris Paul just came, came alive, especially in that fourth quarter in that third quarter or late third to really just take the bull by the horns in this one. And, you know, he was just decisive. He was precise. He was just hitting them from all angles. And it really started with them in the early part of this game, attacking Brooke Lopez incessantly on the offensive end. I mean, the Bucks counter to that on the other end was they would get these, they would push the ball out of the, like the Bucks would, oh, well, the Suns would score, the Bucks would push it up the floor and they'd get to Lopez down low with position on Crowder and he would get an easy put back and they would do that a few times. But I mean, it's just so much easier for the Suns to get into their offense and to attack that than it is for the Bucks to counter with that. And uh, even when the Suns weren't hitting those shots where they got Lopez against him, or they got Paul or Booker against him in the first quarter. I really like the shots they got off of him. They just weren't hitting him. And then the yeah. second you saw them start to hit it. Yeah, I think two things. First of all, I think Chris Paul can smell it, right? You know, the way he played down the stretch in that game six against the Clippers, or he ended up with 40. And then, you know, even tonight, where he's the best player on the floor tonight, even with Giannis being back. I mean, uh, 32 points, 12 of nine shooting. Or sorry, 12 of 19 shooting. Um, you know, 12 and nine would be really impressive. <laughs> uh, four boards, nine assists, only two turnovers. I think, um, like I said, I think he was the best player on the floor tonight. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where like Giannis will always put up better stats, but then when it gets to crunch time, I'd definitely rather have Chris Paul. I also think, you know, stop me if you've heard this before, uh, Middleton and Drew Holiday sh shoot a combined uh, 16 of 40 and they don't, and they don't do enough. You know, Middleton, this is a bit of an interesting case because he's, he's, 12 of 26 from the field, which is really not that bad in terms of percentage rate, one shot below 50%. But the problem is you only score 29 points. So the, I think the biggest stat for me that I'm going to highlight is the free throws. T so let's take Giannis's free throws out. The Bucs shot two of four from the line. It was two misses from Lopez, 
and two makes from holiday. Then the Suns, on the other hand, 25 to 26 from Milan. So, you know, outside of the seven of 12 from Giannis, you have a 23 point disparity at the free throw line. Uh, your two guys, your two guards, your, your uh, B and C guys, you know, they didn't necessarily do what they had to do or what they had been doing against Atlanta. It just wasn't enough. You're not going to win like that, especially when you have a good game from the Suns' top four. All four of them showed up. I'll push back on the Milton part because he, especially in the third quarter, I thought was really good. He was getting, he was hitting difficult threes. He was giving them much needed offense, especially when you saw Giannis. I mean, in the first half, Giannis had eight points on three or four shooting, five rebounds and two assists. Or I mean, in the first quarter. And then the rest of the game, he's got 20 points. So 12 points over the next three quarters when you have eight in the first he Middleton really picked it up on that end, but I will, but I will agree with you that the free throw number is what's really shocking is that the lack of mm-hmm. a presence outside of Giannis really getting to those easy buckets, those easy free throw lines. And when you compare it to the Suns and like Devin Booker, who in the first half, Devin Booker had 16 points and he wasn't shooting the ball particularly well. I think it was four of 11, but he was eight of eight from the free throw line. So those are easy buckets that he's getting. And that's more the eight of eight from the free throw line is more than the entire team of the Bucks did the entire game. And that was well, only in the first half for both. But, but the thing about like, he, I know Middleton was hitting some good shots. You know, he played a lot of minutes, played the most minutes in the game, 45. He does hit tough shots. That's kind of his thing as we talked about in the past. But at the end of the day, you took 26 shots and you turned it over five times and you only scored 29 points. And you never, you didn't take a free throw the whole game. So for me, you know, I'm not gonna he, say it was a great game. I'm he, just saying, like, he I, was, he was, he was okay. For me, it's you know, if we're being honest, like Drew was like a two out of ten, um, maybe a three because he had you know good rebound and assist numbers, and Middleton was probably like a four or five, and then Giannis was probably like a seven. So Giannis, Giannis was a seven based on your expectations for him. Because that's I, bad. No, that's bad. He, he, you know, there wasn't a ton of like. Um, yeah. like yeah, I said, he didn't play a ton of minutes, you know, he was solid, but then on the other hand, right. Booker was like a five or six. Chris Paul was like an eight and Aiden was a 10 who we have to talk about. Obviously, if you go back, it's so funny. I don't have the stats right in front of me right now, but I have noticed that it's always the, the game ones for Aiden where he really shows out It's the game one against the Lakers, the game one against the Nuggets and the game one against uh, the Clippers. And yeah. here we are again, tw- 22 points, um, eight of 10 shooting 19 boards. I, it's amazing with eight. And it's like every time you look at the box score, it's like, wow, it's a lot of points for how few shots he took. I know. And, yeah. You don't, you don't see him really like, cause it's these putbacks. It's these dunker area spots. It's like in the post. So you don't really see him making these shots and that stuff. So it's, I, for me, it doesn't really resonate like you see with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. But then, but, but at the same time, when you say that you make him sound like a Clint Capella and we, we both know that he has more game than that, you know, he's yeah. shown the ability to make the mid Rangers while keeping his percentages at such a high level. So it's just like, Man, it's super impressive to watch him play a, a, a prototypical modern big, you know, where you're athletic, you're mobile, you're coordinated, but you're not necessarily like a twig either. You know, he's a big guy. Oh, so yeah. um, both in height and in like stature. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's, man, what a great modern center for, for what teams are looking for, for like a second or third option. I got a stat for you. He is the fourth player with 20 points, 15 rebounds on 80% field, from the field shooting in a finals game since 1955 do you want to try and guess the other three so it's 20 points 15 rebounds on 80 percent field goal shooting yeah i'll give it a go um kareem mm-hmm. um shack no um hakeem no moses 
No. Okay. Wait, wait. Last two guesses. Oh. Will and Bill Russell. Yes. <laughs> like I knew you were going to get them at some point. That's why I was like, but yeah, those three. So that's it. Oh, yeah. yeah. All three Kareem, Wilt, Russell. Those are the, like that, that's elite company to be a, a part of. And this is a guy that obviously picked first overall. He's got the stature and he's got the defensive ability to not get played off the floor. Like you see with other bigs, like a Rudy Gobert, like a Brooke Lopez, like a Clint Capella in some cases. And he's got the offensive game as well. This is a super well-rounded guy in a modern NBA where you need everybody to be able to switch. This is a guy that's a very valuable tool and asset. And he that's why he'll be getting max money when his contract's up. Uh, when I think at the end of the season, like he'll get like the qualifying offers at the end of this year. And then yeah, I'm sure he'll get he'll get paid. Uh, no, I think I think because he was 18 drafts. So I think I think he has one more year. But a lot of these guys, like Luca, Trayer, Don, yeah. are going to sign it this year. Yeah, yeah, no, they're right. not. They're not for agents till the next season. Yeah, um, and then let's go back to Booker because I think I feel like in the first half, this is like this was a classic like Devin Booker half. It was like the story was Giannis. He was he wasn't supposed to play. He looked great out of the gate when you take the lowered expectations, and he looked great regardless. I mean, again, eight points on three or four shooting, five rebounds, two assists in the first quarter. Like that's great regardless. He has the highlight play at the end of the second quarter where he gets that massive chase down block similar to LeBron. Um, <laughs> Did you notice that Mike Breen gave it like the, oh, blocks by Antetokounmpo call. <laughs> it was the block by James call, but it doesn't roll off the tongue as well. No, you got to do blocks by Giannis. That's it. I feel like uh, yeah, that, 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 I agree. But it was Booker who was the best player in the game at that point and dictated the first half. I mean, 16 points, four assists, one turnover and eight of eight from the free throw line. This is a guy that was getting what he wanted. He was getting to the free throw line effectively and he was hitting his shots there. He was dictating the game. And when you look at this game over the entirety, the two more, the two most dominant players were both on the, both on the Suns, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And it was just, it came down to the Bucks so easily allowed Brooke Lopez to be switched onto them every time they went down the court. And there was zero attempt to fight over it, fight under it, fight through the screen. And they were able to then dictate the game on every possession and didn't face any resistance getting the matchup. And they wanted and turn it into, you know, handling Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis and finding a shot that they found to be very easy and very makeable. And it was easy. It was easy. And like, what a surprise that like when the Bucks decided to take off Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez and put Giannis at the five and Pat Connaughton at the two. So it was Drew Holiday, Connaughton, Middleton, um, Tucker, and sometimes Bryn Forbes and Giannis. And they were able to trim the lead down from 20 to about seven. They weren't <laughs> able to get over that hump, but the fact is they were able to then make a run and cut it down. Yeah, I think, I think they found something with Lopez, especially when Giannis was out, they found something with Lopez against the Hawks. But I think, you know, with each series presents a different matchup and a different challenge, and maybe Lopez is not the guy this series. Now, this goes back to what we were saying before, with you lose Dante DiVincenzo, who's, you know, I never thought that you'd be talking about his absence so much in, in the playoffs. But the thing is, like, if you want to, like, you only play Lopez 23 minutes this game, so you're playing Jeff Teague 10, who... You know, I mean, people haven't really heard of him much in the past, you know, five years or so. And you're playing Forbes 12 minutes as well. And you're playing Connaughton 28, who now all of a sudden is a legitimate six man on a, on a team in the finals. So mm. I, I didn't see that one coming either. So it just uh, their team's a bit shallow. I think, um, man, I just I look at the Suns and just it's so, so much more of like a, a, 
identity, a firm identity, right? You have Chris Paul is like the pass first guard who can score. You have Booker as the score first guard who can pass. You have two great guards. You have Crowder and Bridges, two classic three and D wings. And you have a modern center. Then you have a good backup point guard. You have another shooter in Cam, in Cam Johnson. So basically you need at least one of Cam, McHale, or Jay Crowder to have a good shooting game. You usually get two, well, as you saw last night. And then they have other good guys too. Craig, Craig fits in well, and they play Sarge or occasional Frank the Tank when necessary. So it's just, well, you know, what a great team that knows their roles and is a bit more defined, more so than the Bucks, where it's sort of like a your turn, my turn with Holiday and Middleton. And uh, yeah, I just think that they're like better constructed. Yeah, I mean, well, going back to Dante DiVincenzo, he offers them the ability, more switchability on the defensive end because he's by far the better defender when you compare him to Connaughton, Forbes, and him. And he also allows for you to – he's like a solid enough shooter, not from the free throw line. I know he's really bad from there, but Giannis, that allows then Giannis to play the five more regularly and without having to worry about the fact of a Bryn Forbes or Connaughton getting caught on these screens. But I'd still rather have them – trying to D up Devin Booker and Chris Paul, then I would uh, Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis. And the fact is no matter what Aiton is guarding Giannis. So it's not like you're drawing that. It's not like you're taking Aiton away from Giannis by playing these bigger guys. So you're really playing with the double-edged sword. The fact is it, it works because Lopez can shoot the three ball. Well, and Bobby Portis somewhat can, and it allows for you not to, if, if those two were, I mean, I, I assume they wouldn't play them if they could, if they couldn't shoot the three ball. Well, but it would be like playing another center with Shaq. And that you just know that that wouldn't be the case. And that would be the stupidest thing you could do. Mm-hmm. I, I, and then going back, I'll, I'll touch on Cam Johnson because again, like I've the guy, his shooting splits in the, in the playoffs, 51, 46, 89. He is a 50, 40, 90 guy pretty much. In these playoffs. He's a ridiculous 17 of 30 on corner threes over 50% from the three in the corner. Like, He's amazing in his role. He's a guy that knows his role and is amazing at it. I think he can get up to maybe a Mikael Bridges type role if need be, but I think he is ama- he is amazing in the spot he is right now. He, and, he, and he's like Tyler Hero. He's this year's Tyler Hero. He just blossomed in his second year as opposed to his first. You know, I want to say I want to say that Cam. So for me, the big difference between Cam and Mikael is that Mikael's a better defender, but Cam's a better shooter, better pure shooter. And then I want to say that Cam is just a pure three point shooter. But then you look at it, and he does get a couple assists per game. You know, he he gets an assist in here or there, so he actually is you know a, a pretty good all around player. It's funny. I remember that there was so much backlash when, when he got drafted as early as he did. But um, man, you know, you draft a guy who who knows what he's good at and fits in well with the team. I mean, last night, just a beautiful stat line, right? 10 points on three of six shooting, three rebounds, two assists, and two steals, no turnovers. Just like, what a contribution off the bench. That's already, that's better than anything the Bucks got from their bench. Mm-hmm. It's not that, I mean, he show, he's shown the ability to smartly just pick and choose his spots when he wants to put the ball on the ground. He, he's a catch-and-shoot guy for the team because I think he identifies that that's his role for them. I'm not saying that he's a guy that I think can be like a Devin Booker or Chris Paul where the ball's in his hand a majority of the time. But he's somebody that when need be, he can take the ball on the ground and get to the line, get to the paint or get a mid range shot. I think more so than what you would think of just a catch and shoot player. Similar to why I was drawing the comparison to Tyler Hero, because both guys, I think, are great in their roles on championship caliber team. And they're smart with their movements around the court, whether it's Hero coming off of screens and his ability to just braze off of a pick, get the handoff and then come up shooting right out of that, but also choosing to decide 
if somebody's on his hip to keep going to the paint and being able to have the ball handling and the finishing skills to finish around the rim. While Johnson, it's his ability to, with cutting, not really necessarily coming off of like off ball screens, but cutting and looking for catch and shoot opportunities or cutting to the basket and finding opportunities around the lane. And he, yeah, he had the ability at times where he had the kick out where he'd pump fake, get the guy in the air and take him around and finish at the rim, which I think is great. And yeah, Mikhail Bridges is definitely the better defender. I think Kim's a pretty solid, like average. Mikhail's more on the above average side. And the I agree with what Kim you said. Kim's listed as six foot nine, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I just... The reason, though, the reason I say the thing about the ball, like, because even at UNC, right, like, the guy, the guy averages, like, two and a half assists. Um, you know, he's playing with Kobe White and these other guys, these other guards. He's not a ball handler. I think no. Harrow is a bit more to that than him. You're not going to, like, at least with Harrow, you can sort of give him the ball at the top of the key and do some stuff. I don't really feel that way with Cam Johnson. But with Cam Johnson, you can give him the ball and he can do something. It's not like he's like, oh, man, like, I don't want to put the ball on the floor. So, you know, he can at least do that much for you. And no, I, yeah, that's exactly the point. So I was listening to Bill Simmons talk um, about in between the end of the Suns and the the end of the Sun series after the Suns clinched it against the Clippers and before the start of this one. And I really like this reference and the thought of it. Chris Paul, this emergence that he's had, this reemergence is like Tom Brady late in his career. Obviously not to the level of the team achievement that's now what, but Neither kills you with elite athleticism, but with their brains, their, their, and kills you with a million different cuts. So whether it's Brady getting these 10-yard out routes every time, getting that first down, just making sure that they keep moving the ball, or every time down the court, Chris Ball slows the game down, gets the isolation, gets the spacing he needs, and calls up for a high screen roll, getting Brooke Lopez on him, and just time after time, just getting the shot and making it and just constantly being the guy that you can slowly and methodically count on to just get you to where you want to go and close out games. And they know their style. They know how they want to go about it and they just own it and they destroy with it. They they are masked. They're masterful with it. It was just a masterclass. And you saw that last night, you saw that in game six against the Clippers when he just went off here. I believe he had 41 points on and zero turnovers. The, the guys just they both know what they want to do, how to do it, and they do it so effectively because they've been doing it this late in their career. Now, I also think like sort of similar to that, I guess what I'm thinking about is like like when you think about like comparing LeBron to Brady in the sense that they're two guys where you're like, oh, I didn't think it would be possible to be in your prime this late. And then because you're talking about those two guys, let's say in the NFL, for example, you forget about a Drew Brees or a Rodgers or, or a Big Ben who are also very old and still playing at a high level. Yeah. And that's sort of how it feels with Chris Paul. It's like, you know, all the talks about oh, LeBron year 17, year 18. And then here's Chris Paul who has been everywhere, been on all these random teams and still been super effective the entire time. So, you know, he it, maybe it's a little less uh, like public and a little less notoriety for like his changed diet and all that stuff. But he's man, he's been great. Uh, you know, he's looked as good as he's looks in some of these Clippers days. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with what you said, though. You know, it's impressive longevity makes you wonder with both of these guys, you know, you're used to seeing an NBA player in an athleticism-dominated league sort of leave their prime by now and be on the tail end. But these guys could be valuable contributors until they're 40. I mean, it's the, it's the, the mind – it's the – their intellect with the game of how smart they are as players, where they're able to continuously and still be play at a high level. I think that's where that kind of sets the floor, but their ability to adapt. I mean, LeBron wasn't a shooter early on in his career and now he can shoot. If he couldn't shoot and he was just going based off his brain and his mind for that, he wouldn't be, obviously wouldn't be the player he is still like to yeah. this point. And he probably wouldn't be able to play as long as he would. 
because yeah, the athleticism deteriorates. That's why you, you think when you think of comparing Steph Curry to Russell Westbrook, you're like, Steph's going to be playing for five more years at a high level, at least. And you're like, how long, how much longer do we have with Russell Westbrook? Because you know that athleticism is going away. Yeah, Russell West, West is already on the way down. You're still obviously a great player, still an all-star caliber player right now, but definitely on the way down. Exactly. Or Steph's still in his prime, arguably. Yeah, and Chris Paul, the same way as uh, as LeBron, where it's just using his mind, doing it smartly, you doing it slowly. I mean, he's not trying to he's not trying to rush this. It's not seven seconds or less. Think about, think about Darren Williams in the 2017 finals, a guy who was always compared to Chris Paul, yeah. who's long gone now. Yeah, in like 2011, 2010, that was like those were the two top point guards. Yeah, and even before that, before he went to Brooklyn, you know, in the Utah days. So yeah, yeah, ever and they were in the same draft, I think the 04 draft. So um, yeah, like I said, the he's long gone, and then a guy like Chris who who changed his diet and did what he could, um, still injury prone a bit, but you know, I mean, he's holding it together thus far, even despite the first round thing. Um, and here he is, you know, in the finals with a very, very good chance to win, and probably about a minus two hundred or minus two fifty as it stands now to win the series. I mean, I saw he was, yeah, I saw he was the favorite to be the finals MVP, which is crazy. I mean, he should have. I always felt like he should have been going to the series because not only do I think that he's better than Booker, but I also think that, like, in a narrative-driven league like the NBA is, I think you would want to give it to Chris if it was close. No, the narrative is, like, it's the same way with, like, the LeBron AD. It's like, remember, I remember last year or during the bubble when we when we were talking about this, we were like, what what do what would AD need to put up in order for yeah, four three point triple double for LeBron not for him to get it over LeBron and yeah. it ended up being LeBron because it's a narrative but B LeBron like put up big numbers and it's the same way with this Chris Paul the narrative is obviously like this is a top five point guard of all time this is a guy that's never made the finals never won the finals never made the conference fi- or never made or never got or never made it past the conference finals well remember the the houston thing yeah 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 so never made it past the conference finals and and now he's coming into the playoffs or coming into the finals and if he puts up close to the amount close to the production as booker then he'll get it but now he's just he now he blew him away in in game one yeah exactly if he's putting up 18 and 5 and booker's putting up 30 then it is what it is but like like you said he was better in game one um and he's been better ever since he came back, honestly. You know, Booker, obviously, the highlight of Booker's playoffs are, are twofold. The, the game six against the Lakers and then the game one against the Clippers. Um, so he's, he's had a great playoffs, too. I think Chris Paul, though, I think all three of the Suns guys have raised their stock a ton, but I think Chris Paul right now is sort of atop that hierarchy. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with his contract. He has an opt-out clause, or he has a player option that he can opt out or – opt into and sign and hopefully sign a two maybe a two-year deal and extension on top of that i'm looking at right now the series like the series lines and the series like correct score you know what the betting favorite is right now for like for like team to beat team with this series sons and five yeah plus 250 like that's great like that's insane well i think you always here's the thing with that is that if the bucks had won game one it would be bucks in six because it's always you, you always do the home team wins the clinching game thing, mm-hmm. you know. So I I think that's why. But 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 wouldn't that be wouldn't that be but no wouldn't it be four and two then? I don't understand because isn't it it's two in two in Phoenix then two in Milwaukee and then one and then the next two 
Or yeah, so I'm saying, so I'm saying that if the Bucks won Game One, yeah. then the favorite would be Bucks and Six. Yeah, but I'm saying like, wouldn't it be like it's four one they have for this? Wouldn't it be like they win the they win two games? Oh, never mind, never mind, never mind. I get it. Yeah, uh, just for the clinching game. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I get that. Yeah, they they just want to mat. They want to line it up to that. Yeah, as opposed to saying it would go to seven, they'll say go five. Right, right, right. Okay, right. okay, that makes sense then. I, I I'd still probably lean like. I went into it thinking that the the Bucks would win this series in seven. I, I'm still going to stick with that, but if I'm betting, I would have bet like I would have bet Phoenix in six, not yeah, Phoenix the in thing, five. The, the the thing with the Bucks is, um, it's like one game you think Drew Holiday's the most quote unquote underrated player in the league. The next time you're like, what are these what were these analysts talking about? So and you know the same thing with Middleton. Although this was a surprisingly middle of the road game, no pun intended for Middleton <laughs> for a guy who's very like up and down. Um, so, so we'll see. I mean, look, I will not be surprised if Middleton comes out and drops 40, not a game two or game three. It's kind of his thing. Um, so a long series, you never know with Giannis. Um, but I, I like, and it's hard not to overreact to all this stuff, right? It's like, it's so funny. Like all of a sudden Chris Paul's back being a top 10 player. And, and, but then Booker was a top 10 player like three weeks ago. And then Holiday was the most underrated player in the league, but then Trey Young's now top 10 player, apparently. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's, it's, uh, if you thought the overreactions in the regular season were crazy, man, just like just wait till the playoffs where Jimmy Butler was the top 10 player last year, um, yeah. and, and things like that. So it's, it's just, it's funny how that works. And with, I guess, to bring that full circle, right now, I feel like the series is over in a way. It's obviously not, or right? there's so <laughs> much more, many games to be played. So, I'll, the Drew part of this is, I mean, he, he we saw such great showings at the end of that Hawks series, especially when Giannis came out. And then to see what he did this in this opening game where really offensively, I mean, he was great passing the ball and finding teammates for easy buckets. But, I mean, offensively, there wasn't much to his game where you felt threatened by him. And defensively, I mean, Booker and Paul got theirs because there was zero fight for him to get through the screens and for them to make it uncomfortable and difficult for the Suns to get the switch they wanted. So if you're not, if he's not asserting himself really offensively as a scorer, I mean, he was good defense. He was good as a passer, nine assists on three turnovers, but he was also just setting people up well, but he's not as looked as a scorer and Giannis is already hobbled and you got Chris Middleton who did fine, but yes, again, 26 shots and 29 points on 26 shots is not effect. That's not efficient. That's not what right. you really want, especially as your main scorer for the game. And Lopez, who was good on the offensive end, but you can't really play him because on the defensive end, he's getting hunted. I, it, you need more out of Drew. And I, I guess it was just really underwhelming considering what we saw at the end of that Hawk series where you saw him really step up another level. And what you I thought going into that series, he'd be doing the entire time. Well, I'll put it to you this way. The each team has a big three. And then if you remove all six of them, the Suns roster is just better. Mm-hmm. Right. So with that said, your big three needs to outperform their big three. That did not happen. No. It really did not, was not even close to happening. So that's worrisome. But I, I do think like it is a great battle because I think you can't like you can't exactly match these guys up, but they're two, they're two perimeter players and one big each. And they're all great players. You know, they're all top 40 guys, 35, whatever. Depends mm-hmm. how generous you want to be to a Drew Holiday or an Aiden. Yeah. Um, so it, it's but just – I think it, that's fair. I think that's yeah. fair, top 40. 
No, I know, but you you know, some people might say like top twenty. Yeah. That's a bit crazy. You know, down to eight and all of a sudden top twenty. Right? <laughs> it's crazy. No, 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 we're not doing that. Uh definitely not. But yeah, but impressed, like I said, you know, you can be impressed with the guy, you can be impressed with the Nate or Trey Young without vaulting them into your top ten. I know. We can we got we can halt the break. We can halt the breaks yeah. on this. We can take these things slow. But yeah, when you compare the big threes, I mean like Middleton and and Giannis were equal to Booker and uh and Aiton when you look at the numbers and I, I thought similarly in impact but when you compare Drew Holiday and Chris Paul yeah. that's where you get the the huge disparity where you get the production side not only as a passer from Chris Paul which kind of negate which equals Drew but on the off but as a scorer obviously you saw Chris Paul put a or if you, on effective shooting or if you want to look at it this way like rather than, so you got like Giannis and Chris Paul match them because like matching uh, Chris Paul with Drew setting Drew up for failure match right them. so you, you want to match it as like Giannis and Chris Paul Chris Paul wins that matchup Booker and Middleton I'm honestly willing to call that a push uh, like yeah. you know no I agree because both of them shot the ball not really that effectively I mean it was just Booker, Booker wasn't necessarily you know that's the funny thing it's like it's like Middleton and Booker have similar games, but the rub on Booker is positive because he's like 25 and the rub on Middleton is negative because he's like 28. You, you know, I do think that's interesting. They kind of had the same game, right? They, and, but but you've also seen that you've seen Middleton not come, not have those moments in the playoffs. And really you haven't seen that from Booker, even when he has a bad game where he's shooting eight of 21, he puts up 27 because he gets the line 10, 10 times. So, and that, that's where like the great players, like they're able to manufacture those easy buckets. And you know, but I feel like he did. Oh, I gotta go. Let me go check the game log before I say something that just isn't true. But I thought he put up a couple, I thought he put up a couple like 15s against the, against the Clippers. You know, I, I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I mean, uh, yeah, I could be wrong, but I don't think any of them were as bad as like the nine pointers that Middleton put up against uh, the, the Nets. This, this five for 21, 15 points is pretty bad. Um, yeah. But but I do I do agree every time I open one of these ESPN things. Okay. Yeah. Always um, got they always got to go with the autoplay for some reason. I don't so, know why. So disrespectful. <laughs> so but now nah, but yeah ultimately so anyway you compare Booker Middleton and then if you want to go threes versus threes then Aiden just destroys Holiday. I mean ultimately anyone you match Holiday up in this in these six players is going to get bodied. Unfortunately for how he played in game in this game and then like the bench guys too are like not even to mention Bakale was better than like a Brooke Lopez or whoever. And you can go down the line, right? Cam Johnson and campaign gave you more than your, than your entire bench combined. Um, yeah. Because again, like when you talk about PJ Tucker and like the impact of him as like a role guy, it's on the defensive end being that tough guy. But if you are just going to let these switches happen all day and not fight for it, then, then you're really negating part of like what brings him value. I mean, these, on these the guards offense, are too fast. These guards are too fast for PJ in my opinion. I mean, well, he's, he's mad. I think they matched him up. I'm pretty sure that, yeah, they matched him up a good amount against Chris, but every time they went for this, for the screen, he he's too slow. He was he's just too taking. slow for that. Yeah. He's too, he's too slow for that. Like, I think it's one thing to, I think he's more of like a guard, a wing and, and give up some size. Cause he's not that tall of a guy either. You know, I really like him. You know, it's a testament to his toughness that he's maybe not the, the, like, like a physical specimen, uh, so to speak, but he's, a, you know, an effective defender and all that. But, um, yeah, like like I said, Booker and Chris Paul are too fast for him. Like Durant was shooting over him, but at least he was giving him problems to an mm. extent. Like I'd almost, I'd, I'd even rather have him on like a Harden guy too, who won't like blow you away with his speed. I just think these guys are too fast for him. Mm. I mean, 
I'm just, I think there hasn't, because Drew was following around Booker for the most part last night. I, I think there hasn't been put Middleton on Booker, John, only for like the foul calls, because he's really good at that, but also just A, tiring him out, B, especially when you don't know. Yeah, he's playing 45. He's yeah. playing 45 and carrying the offense. But yeah, but, but, let me, but let me bring this up real quick. So it's like, we're talking about Tucker as a guy who maybe is kind of getting exposed right now. We're talking about Lopez as a guy who's maybe getting exposed. Who do you want them to play, right? That's well, kind of I, the problem. I, I personally think that Tucker can handle it. It might not be that it's not going to be locked down. Like I, yes, I think yeah. he would do better against a wing guy, similarly to how he was going against Har, uh, going against a Harden or a Durant. And it's funny because you're talking about like, oh, he'd do better against Harden, Durant than Chris Paul and Devin Booker. <laughs> better, <laughs> like uh, the, 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 yeah, I would say this, like in the sense that he would fare better against those guys compared to the average defender against those guys and he would compare then he would fare against the guards compared to the average defender against those guys does that make sense yeah i i just i yeah i'm i'm willing to i'm willing to live with with uh tucker i am not personally not willing to live with what what you have to deal with with lopez because if they switch if they switch tucker on to chris paul i still feel fine about that I still feel like he's in control or not in control, but he's a guy that holds his own. When I go, when, when I see Brooke Lopez against or across from Booker or Chris Paul, I'm like, this guy's just waiting to try and react to what this guy's doing. And he's going to be a second slow and it's not going to be pretty. And it's I'm more likely than not that it's going to end up with the sun's ending in a bat with a basket. Yep. No, agreed. So, um, man, but I just look at that. Like I like Bobby Portis. I liked him on the Knicks, but it's like, Teague, Connaughton, and Forbes are giving you 50 minutes, 50 of your 64 bench minutes. That is not a championship team right there. And it, it like no. And it, I think I think if the sorry, I just I no, just think no, if the Suns are healthy, I, I can't be against them. Honestly, after seeing what I saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm trying not it, it's so hard not to overreact to these types of things. But it, 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 that game gave me a lot of vibes of what we saw from game one against the Hawks where you saw middle, where you saw Lopez in the blender. You saw Trey just getting downhill, getting those floaters time and time again. It was easy. And you're like, how are they going to combat this? They can get this anytime they want to. And it really came down to the Bucks didn't do much as a di- much of a different thing. They just kind of let it, ri- let it ride out and just hope that they could miss more shots than they did. And it, it worked out for them in that, in that event for the most part, I'm not saying like they didn't have slight changes. They're just not making these overhauling changes. Lopez for the most part was still dropping in coverage on the screen and rolls. And um, I don't know. I, I'm not willing to write it off. This is a game where if you were the bucks, if you won, that's a, that's a win, but it's not a lose situation. This was a, uh, an all or no, not an all or nothing game. It was uh what's it called? Uh, a can't lose situation, I guess, because you still, you got Giannis, you, you come out of that game still thinking like, okay, our best player who we didn't know if we were going to get back for some people like me, I thought he was out for the playoffs for people like you, you thought he was going to be back, but you didn't think he'd be back. I, I don't think you thought he'd be back within the first, by first. Nah, I thought, I thought like a game two and even then he wouldn't have looked as good as he looked last night. And just to go to your point, they win game two, all of a sudden they stole home court and, and, and they walk out as the quote unquote victors of the first two games. So I agree with you, man. It's a long, long series. It's a lot of games. You, they could even lose game two. They, they've been down 0-2 before, especially against the Mets. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, um, so what do you think happens in game two then? Uh, it's tough. I got like, 
I know if I'm betting on this game, I'm going to be taking the the Bucks just for value. I, I just think the pendulum swings the other way. But when I'm talking, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I guess I'm going Bucks. Bucks win. Bucks win. It's one one going back to Milwaukee. I'm going to go Suns in a close one and closer than this sort of last minute thing. If you can get Bucks spread at like five or more, maybe you take it. I, I think it'll be similar to how we saw with the Clippers game, game two, outside of the Paul George two missed free throws at the end. I'm sorry. I had to bring it up. I, I didn't okay. mean it. I wasn't playing to bring it up, but like when I got on that thing, I thought I'm like, okay, I got to bring it up. It's, it's, it. Unfortunately, it's hard to talk about that game without it, but it's fine. We already had our redemption tour. We're fine. Yeah. I will point out one thing as this series goes along. This is a very, uh, I think I saw this stat and I think it's very big going forward. The Suns who shot 25 of 26 from the free throw line are shooting 87% from the free throw line in the playoffs, which is the highest mark by a team in playoff history with a minimum of 10 games played. Dude, that's insane. Yeah. Like this is a team that, <laughs> I mean, Jay Crowder, like tough game, like O of eight from the field, O of five from three, and the only guy to miss a free yeah. throw. Yeah. Like I'm looking at, I mean, if you look at the guys going to the line, right? Bridges, a good shooter. Aiton, a great shooter for a big man. And in, I mean, you could even take away that disclaimer, just call him a great shooter mm-hmm. um, or qualifier. From the, from the, yeah, from the mid range. Yeah. Well, line. yeah, free throw and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, yeah. Chris Paul. Obviously, Devin Booker, obviously. And then Cam Johnson's the only guy on the bench getting to the line. As we talked about, this guy's a 50, 45, 90 guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And you compare it to the Bucks, where it's like Lopez is iffy from the line. And in the honest, we already know. So, um, man, yeah. like the yeah. Suns, the Suns, you're going to have to beat the Suns, right? You're going to have to beat them because they do not make a lot of mistakes. They do not give away free points at the free throw line. Um, they don't throw games away. Like, uh, so, yeah, I think you're going to have to just play better than them. You're going to need Middleton and Holiday to step up. And you're going to need not a good game for a 70% Giannis. You're going to need a good game for a 100% Giannis. Agreed. Agreed. I, 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 last thing I'm going to say before we head out, but – I felt like at the later part of that game, Giannis, you know, when everybody's like counting when he's at the free throw line, I felt like he gets into rhythm now. Like he, he, like I feel like he's been that way. Like he, he, they'll get to nine and he starts to shoot every time. I think he's getting to a rhythm there where like later, I, I thought specifically in the second half, he started to get into a rhythm where every oh, time, were, every time he got to nine? Yeah, I think he was shooting on in between nine and 10. Because I remember in, um, in the first game where the Nets fans started doing it, Whenever he would shoot after 12, he would make it. Oh, yeah. I guess he's accelerated it. A bit. <laughs> so, you know, I wonder, I feel like, I feel like the league basically told the refs, like, you can't start calling this right now, but then as soon as the season's over, they're going to tell Giannis, like, you have to fix it. That's how I think. It I think it's like along the lines of that, but also if it gets up to like 15, like, yeah, if it's around 12, especially with how fast the fans count, it's like, it's slightly faster. If it's like 12, yeah, then like, yeah. leave it. The the Suns fans are doing that when you play uh, backyard football, like one Mississippi, two Mississippi. You know, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, what are we going to start calling lane violations every time like a guy leaves early, like like yeah, just that, puts his foot in the in the dude, lane for a that, second? That's an epidemic for another time, I guess. But yeah, that is a problem. I mean, it, there, there's so many rules that they could call that they don't, and it's just like, oh, we're going to draw the line on Giannis with the with this free throw stuff. Like, give me a break. All right, here's here's my prediction, uh, and we'll. I'm going to go Suns in game two in a close one, and I'm going to go Suns in six in the series. Obviously, we're going to um, talk again before the series is over, barring the Suns winning the next three, but I just thought I'd get that out there now. 
by next week it'll be uh game four so next wednesday will be game four so either, oh, okay so then either, we won't get to talk about either we'll be eyeing a sweep or we will be uh previewing the set uh like what's going on and where we see this series going yep oh, i mean either way i guess but if it's if it's i if it's eyeing a, a sweep then we we kind of if, if it's a sweep if it's 3-0, we may as well just do the Chris Paul legacy stuff right then. Yeah, facts, facts. <laughs> so either way, we will be prepared, and you better be back here next week listening. <laughs> thank we'll you. Be, yeah, thank you, guys. We'll be here. <laughs>